Thank you, Brother Tim. That was a good song that uh, sets us up for worship now. We've been set up. Now it's time to take God's Word and share it. Uh, need to pray for, again, those loved ones we have in our family that struggling. And what frustrates me as a minister of the gospel is instead of turning to the only one that can do you any good, that can truly help you, the Lord, they turn to the devil and the world and the things of the world. And it breaks my heart. So remember those loved ones. And I know I'm not the only one that has loved ones in that situation. We all do. And you just want to shake them, you know. What is wrong? You've been taught, you know. Why are you putting in the Lord, putting the Lord in the position to where he's going to have to smack you? And don't think for a minute God won't smack his children. I tell you what, when I was growing up, I got smacked once or twice. That little old gray-headed lady over there smacked me more than once. You know, uh, and it didn't feel good, but just think about it as a child of God, how it feels when God has to really get our attention. So I'm burdened this morning. I have a burden for some loved ones in my family. So please pray. Turn your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Oh, Children's Chapel. Y'all are dismissed. Follow Sister RJ. Sister Kim. Got you. Thank you. Romans chapter 1, just a couple verses, beginning with verse 16. Everybody knows it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let's pray. Father, I love you and praise you. Thank you for this opportunity and privilege to stand before your people and share your holy word. Father God, I ask that hearts be spoken to this morning. I ask, Lord, that if there's one amongst us that needs to make a decision for you, especially concerning salvation, that, Lord, they'd have freedom and opportunity through the conviction and power of the Holy Spirit to do that this morning before it's eternally too late. Lord, I pray for those of us that are born again and saved. I pray that, Lord, you just strengthen us in our walk for you. And Lord, help us to be a light. and Help us, Lord, to not be afraid or, or ashamed to share 
the gospel with those that we love in our family. And even those, Lord, that aren't in our family, but are our neighbors and our co-workers and our classmates. Father, I lift up those prayer requests that have been written down, those that are unspoken, and especially Brother Steve and Brother Jim. Lord, we leave them in your caring hands and just ask that you will be done with them. So bless the service. Give us grace. And Lord, may it be said when the service is done that it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. For these things I ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. Be seated, please. This morning, I want to speak to you about the gospel. In fact, thank God for the gospel. And I'll begin by asking you a simple question. Any of you ever had regrets? Regrets, all of us have, haven't you? I would venture to say the majority here would even say, Preacher, there's been times in my life I've been ashamed. Yes. But the one thing the Apostle Paul tells us in this simple text is, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? He didn't regret coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. He regretted that before the Lord came to him on the road to Damascus, he was literally out trying to destroy the gospel and the Lord's church. But he didn't regret in coming to the saving knowledge of Christ. He didn't regret having his sins forgiven. He didn't regret having joy that passes all understanding and salvation. He didn't regret those things. And he was definitely not ashamed. We've all agreed there's been areas in our life where we've regretted and been ashamed. But if you were saved, then you can say with the Apostle Paul, concerning the gospel, you're not ashamed. I tell you what, when I think back to how I used to be in school and Mikey ain't here today, that's why I tell him, mom's a word, you don't tell him how bad I was when I was a lost guy in school because I was bad. When I think back though, what Jesus did for me, I could never be ashamed, preacher. I could never be ashamed. And I'm not. And I'm not. But here's the point. Look at what it says. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why would Paul even begin with that statement? Because he realized firsthand like you and me that the gospel is the most precious possession you and I could ever possess. I'm so thankful for the gospel. It's precious. Now I know there's a lot of folks out there that say and claim they preach the gospel. And by the way, 
Just to clarify, what is the gospel? It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. That's the gospel. That's the true gospel. But <laughs> there's gospels out there that aren't the true gospel. Now, I'll be honest. Brother Ciro, I'd be ashamed to peddle those gospels. That social gospel that says, you know what? It's all about living life to the fullest because you only go around once. Well, that's a false gospel. Okay? There's a false gospel out there that says, oh, we're religious. Just change over a new leaf, turn over a new leaf, and everything's fine. You'll get to go to heaven. That's a false gospel. And I would be ashamed of trying to peddle that. I would be ashamed trying to peddle that, you know what? The only thing that matters in life is getting all the money and the material possessions you can gain. That's what living is all about. Well, that's a false gospel. You see, the gospel is God loved us so much he sent his only begotten son into the world to die that whosoever, I made it. I'm one of the whosoevers. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the true gospel. And that's supposed to be the gospel that we proclaim. And if we proclaim the true gospel, we never ever have to worry about regrets or being ashamed. And by the way, Ashamed means to be embarrassed. Y'all ever been embarrassed? Yes. You ever done anything embarrassing? Don't tell me, please. I'll make a promise with you. You don't tell me and I won't tell you. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. God already knows. He's already seen. We can't hide it from him. But Paul says... I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And it's through Christ that something takes place in a life. And it's through Him, in Him only, that He can literally change your life. Notice what He says. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. You see, there's power in the gospel, preacher. There's power. And I know a lot of people today in the world like to mock the gospel and God's power. They make fun. But I want to tell you something. It's only through the power of God in the gospel that a drunk, a harlot, a drug addict, a murderer... A thief can be changed, cleansed, and made fit for heaven. Only through the power of God through the gospel. And I have seen that. And I can testify there is power in the gospel. You see, the gospel is... A person. Do y'all understand that? 
The Bible says in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Somebody read 1 John 1. Lorianne, I'll let you read it if you're there. You know where 1 John is? Okay. Just checking. 1 John 1 and 1. The word of life. Jesus is the word of life. He is the only way to heaven. And he, and only he, can change a life through his power. Again, having seen, now we testify, having handled. Every time you and I pick this book up, we are lifting up the Lord. Amen. He is the living word. And understand, we have seen with our own eyes. We testify. We have seen the power of God in the lives of those that were lost and undone without Christ. And then he, by his grace and mercy, saves them and makes them a new creature in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So you see, there is power. Have you felt the power of God? And I'm not talking about that hooey-fooey stuff you see on TV. People trancing, falling back, kicking like a fish out of water. Hooey-fooey. The Lord... When he touches you, he will touch you through the Holy Spirit. And you'll feel his touch. But I want you to understand, he won't knock you down to where you're flopping in the aisle. He won't cause you to be dancing up and down the aisle. He won't get you to do, what'd you say? Can I ask you something? If I'm lost and I need to be saved... And you start doing that nonsense. Do you honestly think as a lost person, I'm going to sit there and watch you? No, I'm going out the door said they lost their minds. No. The Lord, when he has you in his house, in his presence, he wants you to be saved. How else can you be saved if you don't understand the plan of salvation? Not that gibberish stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. Listen. On my dad's side of the family, they're Pentecost. Amen? They're Pentecost. I was the black sheep. I was a Baptist. And, you know, they're good people. As far as the gospel is concerned of how does one get to heaven, they have the same plan of salvation as we do. The difference is they have to feel saved. I don't have to feel saved. I know I'm saved. You see, salvation is not based on a feeling, Brother Ron. Because if it was, we would be in trouble. Monday morning, you'd get out of bed and say, oh, I don't feel saved today. Right? No. We are saved by grace through faith, and it's not based on a feeling, but it's based on the simple act of faith and trust 
and the finished atoning work of Christ on the cross. That's it. Nothing to add, nothing to take away. But again, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God. If ever was a time that the world needs to see the power of God move, it's today to wake everybody up. Listen, he's coming. And I assure you, it's going to be just like he told us in Matthew 24 in the days of Noah. People were drinking and having a good time and just got their minds on only pleasuring themselves in the things of the world. And what happened for 120 years, Noah preached judgment for 120 years. Brother Ciro, and do you think they paid him any mind? No, not at all. But then in God's time, hmm, what is that falling from the sky? Wow, it's coming down. Let's head to the boat. Even though we said Noah was crazy for building one. Let's head to the ark. Surely we can find refuge. Well, they could have found refuge for 120 years. But now judgment has fallen. God has brought in Noah and his family and God closed the door. Noah couldn't have opened it if he had wanted to. And they all perished. And sometimes, this is just me. Think what the Bible says, but this is just me. But I think God's going to have to get our attention again, just like he did back then. Now, he promised he wouldn't destroy the world by flood again. But that doesn't mean he can't destroy the world by an earthquake. A fire, that's right. In fact, the Bible says the earth will melt fervent heat. But he needs to get our attention because no one believes anymore in his power. See, God is holy and righteous. And he can't be approached just any old way we want to. Lord, I'll just come to you when I get ready. Can I, can I tell you how many times I've heard that in witnessing, sharing the gospel? Oh, when I can live it, preacher, when I get a little older, I get my oats sowed, I'll come to the Lord then. You know what I tell them? No, you won't. Ain't gonna happen. You see, God's spirit does not always strive with man. There comes a day when God says, okay, it's been extended, you've rejected, I am done. That's a bad place to be, by the way. Now, let's look at what he says. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. The gospel has purpose. You see, the purpose 
of the gospel of salvation. That's why Jesus came into the world to die, to reconcile us to God, to literally purchase redemption and atone for the world's sins. And that's why it came. That was the purpose. And let me add, and I won't charge you, it wasn't a mistake that he died on the cross. It wasn't an accident. He literally came because, that's right, my brother, he loved us. And he fulfilled the will of the Father. The plan that God had in eternity past, which is beyond my capability of understanding, I won't even try to go there. But I know this, God and the Son and the Spirit in eternity past devised a plan to redeem God's creation, mankind. What a loving God. But the purpose was salvation. Why? Because we all need to be redeemed. We all need to be saved. But here is the sad part. Many today still refuse salvation even when it's hitting them right in the face. And I can attest to it. Before I received Christ as my Savior, I can remember sitting in the pew just like you are today, and the man of God seemed like, why is he preaching at me? I don't know why I even go, because it seems like every message is always to me. I used to say that very thing. And then the invitation would be given, and I would literally hang on to the back of the pew till my knuckles were white, and I would put my head down because I didn't want him to look me in the eye because he knew I wasn't saved even though I professed I was and conviction and can I tell you something about conviction I'm thankful for it you got to have conviction to repent and get saved there's got to be conviction but can I tell you something it's not fun your heart feels like it's going to break in half And then through conviction, your conscience, God deals with your conscience saying, you remember you did that? You're a sinner. No, I'm just as good. And that was my excuse. I'm just like those other folks. I'm probably better than some of them sitting there. That's what the devil tried to tell me. Why? Because he will say and do anything he has to to keep you from coming forward and giving your heart to Christ. So if you're here this morning, listen, I know by experience, it gets easier with every step. Just keep on coming down the aisle. Amen? So anyways, what's the purpose of the gospel? Salvation. That's it. The one thing you and I that are saved possess is God's salvation that can never be yanked out from under our feet. Once you possess it, you have it forever. You see, I don't live for the Lord so that I can go to heaven. 
I don't do what I do today, preach and share the gospel because it will make sure I go to heaven. I do those things because of the possession of salvation. Not to earn it. Not to keep it. Folks are so messed up, the devil has truly tricked people in believing that, uh uh-uh, no, it's too simple for one and two. God won't accept you the way you are unless you do this and that and this and that. Mm -mm. Listen, it's all Jesus, period. Or it's nothing. It's all Jesus, beloved. So, the purpose of the gospel is, again, Salvation. And then he says, to everyone that believeth, the gospel has provision. You see, to everyone, to the Jew and to the Greek. And folks, don't let that bother you. Yes, it's true. For thousands of years, the Lord did his best to persuade the Jews to recognize his son as the Messiah. And they didn't. So he turned from the Jews. Now listen to me. The Jews still have an opportunity to come to Christ. But he turned from the Jews to the Gentiles. Us. He gave us the opportunity for salvation. And that Jew and Gentile covers everyone. Amen? Everyone. Doesn't matter how educated you are, how rich you are, poor. Doesn't matter from what family you come from or country. It doesn't matter. It is for everyone that believeth. Have you believed this morning? You see, God's salvation is provided for all. There's never going to be anyone stand before the Lord and say, Lord, it ain't fair. You saved everybody else, but you wouldn't save me. Nope. The gospel's for everyone. Salvation was provided for every single person. But here's the sad thing. Not everyone wants to be saved. And that's what I can't understand. And I've heard it too in all these years. Oh, if I go to hell, it's going to be a party. Oh, it's going to be a party. It's going to be a sad sack party. Because you're going to burn and burn, be in torment forever and ever. There'll never be a reprieve. And you know what I think is even going to be worse than that torment of the fire that is never quenched, the worm dieth not. You know what's going to be the worst part of dying separated from God in all eternity? It's, I believe, you will recognize and remember every opportunity you had to be saved. Talking about torment. Some of you here may not be saved. You might think you are, or you know you're not. I'll go ahead and tell you. Either you know or you're not. You don't. Amen? Either you know or you don't. 
but you may be sitting under the sound of my voice this morning, and one of these days, you might die. Or the Lord could come back and leave you behind. But when you wind up in hell, you're going to remember this day. You're going to remember you were at Lone Mountain Baptist Church. You were sitting in that pew next to that person. You're going to remember. You had the opportunity, but you said no. David said it best. And I'll use simple Arkansas terms so y'all can get it. Why would you die like a fool? Why would you go to hell like a fool when Jesus paid your way to heaven? One quick other thing. Notice what it says. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, so we know provision is made for all. Verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You see, it's nothing you and I can earn or acquire by our own merits, our own works. It's simply through the act of faith. And understand, as we come to Christ, receive Christ as our Savior by that simple act of faith, we begin in faith, and as we grow in the righteousness of God through Christ, we will end in faith. The just shall live by faith. It's all faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. Understand, God made it that way for a reason. Because he knows us. You know how your child, your children, your grandchildren, you know how they trust you? You ever taken them swimming? And the first time, and you know they're kind of apprehensive. Come on, jump in, jump in. No, 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 no. Now, with Wes, I did him a little different than I did my daughter. Uh, Wes was a boy, so I just grabbed him, throw him in the water. Watch him bob a couple times, and then I'd jump in. And I'd, but with my daughter... That was my daughter. So I, I would say, come on, Renee. Come on, Renee. Just leap. I got you. I'll catch you. Don't be afraid. I'm here. And after a little coaxing, well, really a lot of coaxing, she would finally jump off. Well, you know, she had to trust me. And the thing about it is, children do trust their moms and their dads, grandma and grandpa. They don't really trust a stranger too much because we've told them not to. But they trust us. 
Well, it's the same way concerning our salvation. You just got, come on. Come on, you can do it. Come on. You just got to step out and trust. And I pray everybody here has done that. Listen, if you're like me and you've been saved by the gospel, you'll never regret it. And you'll never be ashamed. Jesus said it best, and I'll hush. Jesus said, if you'll be ashamed of me before men, then I will be ashamed of you before the Father, which is in heaven. To think about that. If we come to him, simple childlike faith, he's not ashamed of us. But it's when we won't come and we are ashamed. We are embarrassed. He says, okay, I'm ashamed and embarrassed also before the Father. Think about that. So, in close, everybody stand. Brother Bob, you and Sister Holly come. In close. You've either believed the gospel or you haven't. You're either ashamed of it or you're not. You've either trusted the Savior or you've rejected Him. You say, well, I haven't rejected Him yet by you not coming forward when He's convicted you to come forward for salvation. You've rejected Him, whether you walk down the aisle to the altar or not. Your actions prove that you are denying Him and rejecting Him. So, only one that knows your heart is the Lord. And you. You see, the problem with man is the heart. And with all of the things and the knowledge that man has, and yes, man can do a lot of things. He, he can literally remove a heart, sit it out, and put another one in. He can do a transplant, but here's the deal. He may be able to put in a new heart, may pump blood like it's supposed to, and allow man to live. But there's one thing that man can't do and will never do. And that is man cannot change a heart. Only God can change the heart. So... Have you had your heart changed? Only you can answer that. God knows if you have or not. So if you're here this morning and God has spoken to your heart, will you obey his voice? Will you come? If you're not sure of your salvation, let's get it settled. Come. Whatever God is leading you to do, may we bow and ask God's blessing on the invitation. Father, that's your word. I thank you for it. Even though simple little verse, oh, the meaning and the truth in that verse. Thank you, Lord, for the gospel. Thank you for your power through your son. Thank you for the salvation. 
that he provided for us. Dear God, I don't know spiritual conditions of those that I've spoken to this morning, but you do. There's a need. May they have liberty to come. Lord, I know the devil will do everything he can to persuade them to put it off, not to adhere to your voice. But Father, just bring them and draw them to you through your Holy Spirit. We love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.